Welcome to Yapo Live, featuring conversations with top D2C leaders. On September 12th at Yapo's conference, Destination D2C, Jeff Silverman, president of global e-commerce Steve Madden, sat down with Matt Townsend of Bloomberg to share insider tips, industry trends, and much more. Well, good morning. Uh, uh, thanks for coming to the event. Um, today we'll be talking to uh, Jeff Silverman, president of Steve Madden. Um, just a few stats I dug up on Steve Madden. Uh, it's about 1.7 billion in sales, a uh, market cap of about 3 billion. Um, and first I want to start off, Jeff has an interesting career trajectory. Um, I wanted to get into a little bit just how he got to Steve Madden. Um, he actually was there previously and came back. So it's kind of an interesting tale. So why don't we start with that, sort of how you got to Steve Madden and where you are now. So just real quickly, good morning, everyone. Uh, real quickly, I've uh, been basically in the footwear business and the internet business my whole life. And Steve Madden, uh, I had a company that was running websites for other brands. And we started running Steve Madden in uh, 2005. And they acquired the company that was running the websites in 2007. Uh, they asked me to become the president of the company at that time. And uh, in 2009, I resigned from the company. <laughs> and uh, in 2015, uh, I came back to the company. We, uh, the company acquired a brand called Blondo, which is a waterproof women's and men's footwear business. And I started running that business for Steve Madden. Uh, and then they came to me and asked me if I would uh, get back involved with e-com, which is what I was doing. Um, and so I, I run Global Ecom as well as this brand called Blondo today. And when, when did you t get Ecom under your umbrella? When was that? So uh, I, in my second time doing the, the business, um, it was about 18 months ago. And so if you, if you could paint a picture, so you previously ran Ecom or involved with Ecom at Steve Madden. Years later, you get it back. Paint a picture of what you found and what you saw and sort of what you realized you needed to do? Like, what was, what was that like? So I, I imagine a lot of people here are in the e-com business. So uh, back in 2005, what you found, at least at Steve Madden, what we found is there was a warehouse that was a subcontracted warehouse somewhere in the Midwest. And there was a buyer trying to buy for the internet site. And there was also no technologies and platforms to run websites on in 2005. So, at that time, we built our own platform to run the website. Uh, and we said, Steve Madden at that time had 100 retail stores. And we said, there's about a half million pairs of shoes in those warehouses, in those stores. And we said, so instead of buying for an internet business, we're going to ship from those 100 stores. And at that time, it was very tricky to do what is now a little easier to do today. We were actually... Uh, faxing the orders through the fax machine in those hundred stores at the beginning. <laughs> but today, we're still using those stores. They ship about 65% of the orders. And now we're running on Shopify. So for all of you in this business who are as old as me, a whole lot of platforms developed that you could run businesses on. Right. And when I came back to Steve Madden, they were running everything on Oracle. And from my perspective, it was an enterprise-y legacy mess of solutions to run a site that were extremely costly and made us very slow to be able to do anything that we wanted to do. And so 
what did you do with those legacy systems? I mean, given that you realized they were costly and slow and maybe not the best thing. So under the Steve Madden Ecom umbrella, we have about eight brands. Obviously, the biggest is Steve Madden, but we are the North American licensee for Superga. As example, uh, we have a brand we bought called Dolce Vita. So we decided we were going to move all the sites to Shopify. And they, the le we were, all of them were moved by January of 2019, but Steve Madden was moved on November 1st of 2018. And uh, so we just got rid of all of the legacy that was there and ended up growing the business exponentially and re dramatically reducing costs. Um, when we chatted earlier, you, you mentioned some stats about the growth you guys have seen. Can you share those? I mean, they're, they're kind of, I mean, I mean, they're very impressive. So what the growth you guys have seen since the, 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 sh the shift to Shopify, since you came in and, and, and replatformed some things? So um, I think if most of you are like me, the problem with large growth is figuring out how you're going to do that next year again. And so we're in one of those moments where we were feeling maybe we shouldn't have grown as much as we did. But the business is up uh, about over 60%, close to 65% on a revenue basis. Uh, and the gross margin dollars are up over 100%. So the business is growing very, very rapidly. It's a, it's a large business, and that's a big jump in revenues. Uh, and as I said, not just because of the growth in gross margin dollars, but in expense reduction, the business is making uh, quite a lot of money at this moment. And what, what's the big difference between working with um, younger firms in, that, in the technology space versus the legacy players? Like you mentioned, um, you stopped using Oracle. What was the big... Is it a cultural change? I mean, is it something that makes it easier to work with those, those companies? Yeah, so it's funny because yesterday, I think it was yesterday, yeah. we had a prep call for this talk. And I was talking about how when you get on Shopify, there's literally hundreds of companies that have apps or connections to Shopify that are, you know, let's say somewhere between three to let's say 30 people. I don't know how many people Yapo employs, but... These are small companies and they're very, very hungry for your business. They're not, so, so we found you know, where we can work with CEOs of suppliers like the search on our site, which is something that we count for a lot of our growth, the actual search functionality. It's an Israeli company that uses artificial intelligence, just using an example. And uh, without mentioning it, so all these companies, you sign up with them, there's no integration cost they're not like writing you like, oh, your bill for integration is this big number. There's a monthly fee and you can cancel it at any time you want, just like Shopify, just for reference. Um, and yesterday I was in a meeting, I'm not gonna mention any, other, any names, but I walked into a meeting, I felt like I was in you know, 2012 because <laughs> the company, this is about something that would cost us something like $100,000 a year. And they said, you know, you gotta sign a three-year contract, no cut contract, and you gotta pay all the money at the beginning of the year. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is like 2019. <laughs> That's not how it goes. So we've seen that. And it, it, all these companies are incredibly competitive and willing to do a lot to, you know, not just to earn your business, but to make it work. They, they want what you're doing to work as opposed to, hey, we signed that contract. We'll see you later, like when it's time for renewal. Wow. Um, and then mobile. I mean, obviously mobile. Uh, 
is where most um, DTC brands are seeing a lot of growth. Obviously, even traditional retailers, more and more purchases, traffic through mobile. Um, what has these changes you've made, what, do you, what, is, what have you guys seen in your mobile business? Right, so um, I think, you know, th this is probably, uh, and at the risk of sounding like an advertisement for Shopify, um, I probably argue with a lot of people at Shopify every day because there are things they're great at and there are things they're not so great at, but it turns out the stuff that they're really great at, it's really unbelievable. So our checkout experience, both mobile and desktop, so, you know, Again, I'm an old guy. Some of you probably don't remember this, but you really, you had to have really separate builds for mobile and desktop. And today on Shopify, you don't need to do that. So what we saw happen in mobile, today almost 80% of the visits to our site are mobile and almost 75% of the sales are mobile. And those numbers are up dramatically from 12-month period. When I say dramatically, I'm talking about um, probably we're doing visits of something a little north of 50% and transactions around 45%. So, and we're seeing it continue to grow. And the, the one thing I would say is, is that when you look at the checkout experience in Shopify, I mean, we, we have choices. Everyone has choices about what it looks like. But one thing that we are very sure of, in addition to uh, a lot of things, is that we're using Afterpay which some of you have probably heard about. Yeah. And it turns out that it's a little bit difficult on your first purchase if you're not already part of Afterpay. But after that, it's very easy to check out. So I think the, the checkout experience and what happens on mobile, uh, particularly moving to Shopify, was unbelievably advantageous. Um, and this is a conference about direct-to-consumer, but Steve Madden, it's about 80% wholesale business, I believe. Um, a lot of DTC brands obviously have to get to that point, potentially, where they're going to do wholesale. Um, any advice on how to manage those relationships? You've been doing it a long time, dealing with big wholesale accounts. Um, you sell to department stores. You sell to Amazon. Um, so any, any advice on getting into wholesale and managing, keeping those relationships solid? So, so um, as you mentioned, a large part of our business is wholesale, and our customers range from department stores to Amazon to Zappos to places like Kohl's and DSW. I think we all know these, these, these places that I'm talking about. Um, and all those companies also have websites, as we all know. So if we were to break our sales into those companies, like let's use Nordstrom for example, some categories are north of 50% on the internet. And a lot of these companies, Nordstrom and Macy's, they have drop ship businesses where the inventory is sitting in your warehouse. So um, I think the first thing I would say is that when you're selling on the internet, um, your conversion rate when you sell nowhere else is gonna go up because you're the, your site is the only place to get the product. So we're in the opposite of that business where, you know, you can get Steve Madden anywhere. And we, we're very proud of that, that you can buy our shoes anywhere. So our job, our website, I'll get back to the relationship yeah. question. Yeah. Our job is to both make our wholesale business do better as a website, because let's face it, our con whatever our conversion rate is, 90%, north of 90% don't buy on our website. They're shopping the brand and they probably buy somewhere else. So. You know, we have a job which is to make our brand 
look and be the best and help our wholesale business, but at the same time, we're trying to have a, a direct-to-consumer relationship because I think in 2019, brands without that direct-to-consumer relationship are at their own peril mm -hmm. because our main customers are department stores. Their share is going down of the market. That's just a fact. Our share at those places is up because Steve Madden product designers and Steve himself are unbelievably good at what they do. But that means that our share in places like Amazon, we don't have the same share in a place like Amazon as Zappos that we do at a place like Nordstrom, just to give an example. So, that so the relationships are critical. You have to worry about what people call channel conflict uh, a lot. But, you know, Steve himself has a perspective that for, for an internet guy, it took me a while. I, I mean, I run this other business called Blondo, which is a wholesale business. But he has this perspective that is really smart. And, and I think a lot of people in this room would probably agree if they thought about it, which is that when you sell wholesale, um, it's, there's no chance that the retailer you're selling to is going to buy all your products. So if someone discovers your brand at Nordstrom, the odds are very good they're going to come to your site or to one of your retail stores because if they like the brand, they want to say, hey, what else does that brand have to offer? Right. So when we talk about acquiring a customer and the cost of it in a DTC business, you sell to a wholesale company, the transaction is profitable from the get-go, right? And so you're making money by selling to, the, to Nordstrom, say, then they're selling the shoe to someone who probably is going to come to your website and buy something. So that whole journey matters. And the relationships are, you got to be really careful because, you know, you got to treat them like customers and not for example, do things that are sort of anti-competitive edges that you have for your yeah. own brand. Otherwise, they're going to get mad. Yeah. Um, when we spoke yesterday, you talked about, um, you know, one of the fears of taking your brand wholesale is, you know, price, uh, price cuts, promotions, losing control of your brand. Um, but you mentioned that you guys have been pretty successful in maintaining prices within your own DTC channel even while uh, your wholesale accounts might be discounting. Can you explain how you guys accomplish that? Because I think that's a big worry for a lot of brands. If they do take that leap into wholesale, that they'll be forced into this race to the bottom and have to be promotional as well through their own channels. So when I got back involved with uh, Ecom with Steve Madden, I saw a business that was extremely promotional. The, le the lever of promotion was the lever of how you increased your sales, basically. And so the gross margins on the business were, uh, I, I, I were not as high as I thought they should be. Um, and so we just made a decision that we were going to really reduce promotion, promotional activity. And we did that in really two ways. One way was to say, look, when there's a sale, and everyone knows what these sales are, you got Labor Day, July 4th, Mother's Day, Black Friday, we, we just basically said like, look, during those times, we'll have a sale like everybody else. But the rest of the time, our stuff is going to be at full price. Um, and we also changed our loyalty program to a situation where um, if, you if you joined our email list, like everybody in this, who's in the business, you get some discount, let's say. To join the list, it's supposed to be a one-time discount. So. At that time, our discount was 15%, and it was join email list. And we said, you know what? We're going to make that 20% first time only. 
And it's for joining loyalty, not for joining the email list. And we also said if you're part of loyalty, you're going to get free two-day shipping. Uh, and the reason why we're able to accomplish that is because we ship 65% of our orders from our retail stores. And they're close to customers. So we can do that in a cost-effective manner. So by, by doing that, the gross margins on the site rose dramatically. We then said from a business spending zero on paid social media to now something close to $4 million in a 12-month in period that we can use that money to go reach the customer. And so, for example, I was mentioning uh, uh, on, the, on the call that we have a, pro a sandal, which is called the Kimmy, which is a very, very successful shoe that, by the way, is ripped off by... So, Steve Madden, I don't know who we copied, but for sure we copied somebody. <laughs> um, but, there, you know, if our sandal's at $70, you can buy the, something that looks exactly like it on Amazon for 15 bucks from somewhere else. And we probably sell a sandal that looks like that to Target under some other brand because we sell a lot of shoes to Target and Walmart. So this, this style is like, it's a third year of the style. And uh, it's basically a espadrille. It's got a little cork, so it's, but it's a platform. And Macy's is our, one of our beloved customers and partners. And everyone knows their business model is promotion. Those are just the, the facts. That's what they do. So Nordstrom didn't have the Kimmy because we can't sell Nordstrom what Macy's is going to be promoting. That's what everyone knows. But we had the Kimmy in our store and the Nordstrom sandal. And, and Macy's was doing their job and being 30 off a lot of this season. <laughs> but we were at 69, you know, we were at $70 the entire time. We were using social media ads to let the world know that we got the Kimmy. And our sales on that style were up like triple digit percent. We could not keep the thing in stock, even though we were clearly not the lowest price. And if you did a search, on Google, and you search for Steve Madden or Kimmy, right there in those results, you would see that somebody else had it for less. We think that part of that has to do with the ease of using our site, afterpay is a real draw for a lot of customers, and free two-day shipping. It's kind of hard to argue with that you're going to get your product right away. Uh, so that's an example of how, even though we weren't the lowest price, we were really doing well in the marketplace with the product. So it's convenience, it's, uh, I mean, the two-day shipping obviously is big, and um, is it just being able to go and look at all, like, come into your website and looking at everything all together, or what else besides the two-day shipping do you think really drove the, so the I, conversion on, on, that, on that shoe? You know, I, th I, mean, I think everyone knows this, basically. Our customer is a millennial or a Gen Z customer, and they're on their phones, you know, all day long. That's all they do. So... <laughs> If a social media ad shows up in their phone about that style, um, that's sort of beginning the journey. And those ads, by the way, they say, you know, Steve Madden, $70, afterpay is right there in the ad, or four installments of whatever, free two-day shipping. So mm -hmm. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Then they know that we're in stock on the style. Um, they know they're going to get free two-day shipping. And as we've learned now that we're on Shopify, they know that the checkout, particularly on their mobile phone, is going to be very easy. Gotcha. Um, so we have about five or six minutes left. I wanted to just get to a couple questions about sort of the biggest headaches, hurdles you're facing right now. Um, obviously, Steve Madden doing really well right now, uh, a lot of sales growth. 
like you mentioned, the dot-com business is on fire. Um, the stock is up. But what, what, if there's something that keeps you up at night or really is sort of a bugaboo, what is it right now about the business? Or you know, um, so I think the first, I, I'm going to make, I, I said two, but I'm going to add a third. Okay. To be honest with you, the biggest thing is like if your business is up 65%, if you're not, if you're, if you're normal or if you work for Steve Madden, which is the land of the paranoid, you're trying to figure out how am I going to beat that number next year. So when you're growing, you know, it's like you have a great year and then everyone forgets you have a great year. And the next year you got to beat those numbers. So that's a fear. Yeah. The second thing that I, 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 I look at, and this is probably um, a little bit thorny topic, but the internet business is a 24-7 business. It just is. It's seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You do most of your sales at nighttime when normal nine to five employees are not working. And then the weekend comes and no one, you know, there's no one around. So if you look at your call center, sure, those people have to be around. You have to answer live chats, you have to answer phones and emails. So what I see is, is that what we've seen is just to use an example of a fear. The fear is, is that this business is 24 by seven. And we spot things sometimes, you know, seven o'clock at night. I was, I was talking the other day and this guy ran up to me after the talk. He, he's the guy that is in charge of the Shopify app that's on your mobile phone. So the app lets you look at your store in real time of what's going on. And the analytics aren't good, as good as Google, but the app is so good that you don't care. So you look at that thing at you know seven o'clock at night, and there's nothing wrong with the site. It's not like you need a technician because the server went down. Right. The problem is, is that you spotted something that you want to react to. And the sooner you react to that, the better that you're going to get the results. So I think one of the biggest challenges and fears is like, how do you deal with that? Because the business is truly 24 by seven, and yet, you know, Corporate work hours are nine to five, nine to six, whatever. So that's one thing that really worries me. Hmm. The second thing may be a shocker to everyone in this audience, but we've, we've had uh, a bunch of success with uh, influencers. And the success that we've had is not normal. Our success is with people that probably no one in this audience have ever heard of. And the success has been very large, not little small numbers. And what worries you is, is that you see that if the influencers' fans like them, that influencer, let's say they have 500,000 followers, that influencer is like the Oprah to those fans. And you see that with an influencer, when they, when they like something, their message is so much more passionate than some brand saying, you know, promote this, and they don't care about it. So we've seen that when they promote something they like, the numbers of units that they can move. Their, their followers are almost buying something to support them. Uh, and that influencer is then showing that look all day long, right? So what worries me is that because at Steve Madden, our job is to spot, you know, first off, we want to be first at being second. That's just what fast fashion is about. Steve calls it the democratization of fashion, which I wholly agree with. And yet, all of a sudden you see these huge numbers that an influencer moved who has this great relationship with their followers and then you have to know well, when the influencer is no longer promoting that is the thing going to still sell and i was telling i was speaking on the phone that we had nordstrom you know 
come in, into a showroom and say, you know, we might need to get the influencers into the buy meeting six months before the product delivers instead of when it delivers because they can have such a big impact. And so that's, it's, if you think about it, it's a very scary thought about like, how do you navigate that? It's also an enormous opportunity. So that's... Is, is that something you guys are, would think about doing is bringing some influencers in when, in the, the shoe design or bag design phase of the, of the process? You know, I think I think it's it's just more understanding what it is they like, yeah, <laughs> and who their crowd is, um, and then making those kinds of things that those people like. But you know, I think we 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 all know about the very expensive, famous influencers, which I won't mention, and there's no disrespect to any of them. But what we see is a brand that there's a group of people that can really, really move product and have a, a real relationship with their, their followers. And, um, and like I said, we, we, that really, it, I, when I say it worries us, we see there's an opportunity there, but it's a little worrisome because when they stop promoting it, like I said, the thing might not sell anymore. All right, well on that note, let's give a round of applause to Jeff for being here today.